This episode of The Fearless Storyteller is brought to you by... Well, this could be sponsored by you. Visit patreon.com forward slash Ethan Freckleton to find the membership option that works for you. Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. What's my story? In 2007, I was divorced, in debt, stuck in a soul-sucking job, desperate to have a meaningful, fulfilling life, but not sure where to begin. I made a simple choice at the time, to start honoring my yes and to start speaking my no. Consequences be damned. After all, how could my life possibly get any worse? I began the long path of becoming a professional songwriter finding my fearless voice along the way. Now, I'm living my dream life as a husband, father, and professional storyteller. Kimber Swain writes urban fantasy with a rural twist. Although she went to school to become an author, it wasn't until several years after giving up on her dream job that she accidentally discovered an inn with self-publishing. Less than three years into her journey as an author, Kimbra was able to quit her day job and now, she's planning for magic. Kimber Swain, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller. Thank you. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. What would you like to say about yourself? Um, urban fantasy author. I started mm. publishing in uh, 2017. Mm. I have um, a little over 30 books on Amazon. And um, just just living a dream, that's for sure. Mm. Wow. So over 30 books in three years, that's, that's a pretty good role. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I take it. You, you, you enjoy writing immensely, I would guess. Well, when I started, yeah, it was kind of, it, it was a, kind of addicting. And then now that I'm in it, I can't stop. <laughs> so what is it about writing that's so addicting for you? I don't know. I think um, it was something I wanted to do when I was younger and just with, you know, back in those days, it wasn't easy to get published. It wasn't, mm. you know, possible to publish yourself. And um, I had several rejections and I was just like, you know, this isn't going to work. And so I kind of gave up on it and um, I really just completely stopped writing. Mm. Um, I didn't do a lot of writing in between um, when I, when I picked it up again, maybe a few things here and there, if somebody had asked me to do something, then I would do it. But um, other than that, I, you know, I just kind of gave it up. And then I know at some point it kind of clicked and said, Hey, you've got some stories to tell. Why don't you give it a try? And then um, I was at the time I was beta reading for uh, Shane Silvers. Uh -huh, yeah, yeah. And um, I talked to him about it a little bit and I had no idea that self-publishing was a thing. And I was like, I'm a little too old for this. And he's like, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and so I gave it a try. And like I said, ever since I've started, it's just been like an addiction. I can't quit. That's super cool. So you were beta reading for Shane Silvers before you realized that there was a self-publishing thing going on? Yeah, I had I had no idea that it was, he was self-published, that self-published was a thing. Oh, that's super um, cool. <laughs> so you just found his books and liked what he yeah, was doing? I, and Yep. I had um, listened to, actually, my husband had got me to listen to the Dresden Files yeah. on audiobook and um, really liked those. And I kind of progressed from those to the Iron Druid series, Kevin Hearn. And mm. then I just started devouring whatever I could find. And, and Shane's stuff was really high on the charts. And I was like, well, I'll give this a try. And yeah, so, and then I contacted him about, you know, uh, do you have a beta group? Because I think I'd seen something in the back of one of his books that he had a beta group or whatever, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you're interested in joining. And so I did, and, you know, 
I started doing that and I was like, wait, something different is going on here than he used to. And then he kind of said, oh yeah, yeah, this is so. And he's just kind of been a mentor ever since then. That's awesome. And I love how accessible he was. Did you, did you have second thoughts about asking or was it just? Um, I was a little scared um, just asking about it in general. Um, I was also, after I realized that beta reading was a thing, then I also joined uh, Orlando Sanchez's uh, mm-hmm. beta reading group. And so I'd asked him too about it. And I'd also read um, the Tome of Bill series. By Rick Gualtieri. And I actually kind of talked to all three of them before I said, okay, uh, Shane has kind of been there through all of it. He's, he's not the kind of mentor that says here, do this, this, and this. And he goes, he'll, he'll, he'll say here, take a look at this and see what you think. And then he kind of lets you go on your own, which is kind of what I needed. Mm-hmm. I was a kind of independent person anyway. And so being pointed in the right direction was what I needed. Mm. And so you started writing a long while back and what got you into writing the first time? Um, I don't know. It's just something I've been doing ever since I was a kid. Um, I did a lot of, uh, of writing in high school and, um, uh, even in extracurricular type stuff. And, um, and then when I went into college, uh, my degrees in English. And so I did a lot of writing then. And, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know, it's just always been kind of part of me telling stories and I've, I've always been the kid with a lot of books. And so I, you know, it's, it seemed like a natural progression for me for, to go from reading to writing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, re- I remember when I was in high school, I wanted to write books too, but it was an overwhelming prospect. Honestly, I'd write a few pages and then I'd stop. Right. And, yeah. and, and I think part of the problem I had was I wasn't sure like <laughs> what I even wanted to say or what I wanted to write about. And I just knew I was super influenced and excited about the stuff I was reading and wanted to put Mm -hmm. stuff out there like that. And I'm curious how writing is for you now versus when you got started and you did your English degree, as far as that process of inspiration and having something to say. You know, um, you know, back then I was uh, in, in college, they're very guided about what you write. Um, you know, um, speculative fiction is a thing that they don't want you to touch when you're in college, <laughs> which is what I, which is what I really had always read and liked. I mean, I, I grew up reading actually more sci-fi than, than fantasy, yeah. but I still had the, you know, the Tolkien background and those kind of things. And so, um, you know, and, and then after letting it go, it's almost like I had stories build up in my head of, gosh, this would be fun to take this this way and twist this story this way. And I have a great love of mythology, um, my mm-hmm. minors in history. And so um, it seemed, you know, I'd like to take these stories and retell them in, in, in modern myths and that kind of thing. And I, when I finally sat down to write, I first started writing my first book and six weeks later, I I had it done and Mm. um, that was kind of mid June and then went through the process of having edited and covered and everything. And then by September I had published my first book. So Mm. within six weeks, it's just like the words flew out of me. And, and like I said, it was from that point, it was like, Oh gosh, I can do this. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I published the first time just thinking, Oh, this is fun. I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to have a book. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, like I said, it was addicting and I immediately wrote the second book and I wrote a novella and I wrote a freebie novella and, and all of a sudden I realized I'm in this and, and I'm pumping a little more money into it and, and publishing the next book and the next book. And, and then I really kind of get involved with some writers groups online and, um, the, the 20 books, 50 K group. Mm-hmm. And, um, really kind of started looking at it in a different, maybe this is a supplemental income kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then by my, probably my sixth or seventh book, I'm advertising at this point. And my husband looks at me and he says, so how much money did you make this month with books? You know? And, 
So, and he's been extremely supportive through the whole thing. I, I can't, you know, express how wonderful he's been. Hmm. And, and first, at first it was just like a little hobby thing. He was fine with that. And then, Hey, let's put a little more money in this. And he says, sure, why not? And so we pushed it and then, you know, we're, we're six months in and I'm looking at the income I'm making. And he said, well, you know, this could be an alternative to what you're doing. Hmm. And so, and of, as of last year, in August of last year, I quit my job and mm-hmm. I write full time. Wow. Um, well, congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> was that scary? It was frightening, yes. Because I the job I was at, um, I had a really good job. I was making really good money. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a supervisor and had extremely good benefits. It was a very stable job, you know, as um, I was in the auto manufacturing business. I'd mm-hmm. been there for 15 years. And so, you know, it was it was frightening to walk away, but it was also very freeing. And when I walked out, I never looked back. Hmm. And so you did some planning up until that point of leaving and kind of knew it. Absolutely. Yeah, we for. made sure that we were in the right financial space to do that. It wasn't in any way a whim. We sat down and said, okay, this is how much I need to make per month for us to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And then we doubled and we doubled it. And we said, okay, if we're not making this, we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and when I got to the point where I was making that easily, we said, okay, then let's do it. And um, yeah. And I had a fairly large 401k that um, I took from that job and I was able to roll into a uh, private 401k through my my own company and so my you know retirement is still secure and i'm still contributing to that and so it's uh and the the easiest part of all of it was my husband's still in the corporate world and and Mm -hmm. i'm under his insurance so i don't have to worry about the health insurance aspect of all of it Mm -hmm. because that's i know for people that don't have that alternative is when you go to looky going full time that that's a biggie is that health insurance. So. Yeah, it does it does raise how much you need to make substantially. Yes, so. it does. So but you know, we we looked at all of it and you know, we have a goal now that eventually, you know, maybe at some point he'll quit his job and be my assistant and and we'll go from there. So that's that's like the next goal in our mm. in our what we want to do. That's awesome. That that is probably motivating. <laughs> As far as it really is. It's, I mean, yeah, you, you have to continue to have goals, not just writing goals. I want to, you know, publish this many or that, but you have to have an overall goal of, Hey, how much of this is really going to affect my overall life hmm. and, and how much, you know, of course, you know, right now things are kind of iffy with, you know, the, um, the coronavirus and the mm-hmm. pandemic that we're looking at and, it's it's made th- make me have to look at writing and have what I'm making and you know you have to look at a very business perspective. Um, that's one thing I really learned from Shane is as much as this is an art form for me, mm-hmm. it's my creative outlet. Um, when it comes to everything else, it is completely a business, and you have to treat it that way. Right. Um, and so it's uh yeah you just have to keep. Con- continuously looking at it as I got a plan ahead. I've got a plan ahead six months. I've got a plan, uh, you know, 12 months ahead. Right. And when you're planning ahead and you say that, like, what are you thinking about when you're planning ahead? That's, <clears throat> and, you know, like, what have you had to shift in terms of mindset? Um, I think um, a lot of it is, you know, we get paid, our royalties through Amazon come three months after you've made them. Mm-hmm. And so it helps to kind of plan ahead because you know what your paycheck's going to be three months from now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know, that goes into, you know, current planning and um, how much money you're spending on editing or art or, um, you know, cover art or uh, marketing, especially how much money you're putting into marketing and, and it's, pretty standard the more you put in the more you get out of it mm-hmm. um as long, as long as your 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 marketing is on point um all those little minute details of how you're marketing and who you're marketing to and those kind of things um yeah. so 
you know, it's uh, overall, you know, I really have to look at, you know, if I want to increase my income, you know, at what point, you know, what am I putting into whatever, and then still, you know, making sure that I'm paying myself and, you know, supporting my family. Mm-hmm. And that's the number, that's the number one is, you know, that, that, that paycheck to myself that goes to, you know, our, our everyday bills and what we do here at the house. Um, and then beyond that, what I do with the books to, to further that, uh, income and investing in myself and in my business. So. Mm. Right. And so for you to keep going, like what, what does investing in yourself look like? Um, you know, for, for example, I recently, um, spent a little extra money and paid for, uh, learning how to do Photoshop. I've Mm. always been a, a little bit on the artistic side. I've, you know, done art and stuff in high school and some in college, um, involved into that kind of thing. And I thought, well, this is something that'll help me up my game. I can do my own promo materials, add, you know, and even to the point now that I do some of my own covers for special editions Mm -hmm. that, um, I sell and do because I've really delved deep into the uh, marketing aspect of things other than books, uh, product line, uh, t-shirts and stuff like that. And so I design logos, um, for all of my series and it's part of, you know, just branding what I do and what I, you know, um, and how I expand my reach. Um, and people look at certain things and they say, Oh, I know that's Kimbra. I, I know that's her logo for this and this, that, and then. And, and so I really put money into, you know, upping my art game in that, in that sense so that, you know, I can turn around and, um, social media and advertising and everything is visual. And yeah. so to, to perfect what I'm doing there. And it also helps my money stream because I'm not paying someone else to do it. Now it's something that I enjoy doing mm-hmm. and I've made time to do outside of just writing all the time. Um, and so, and it's given me another skill set. So when I say investing in myself, you know, I'm always investing in myself to better my business and my product. Mm. It sounds like there's, well, first of all, it sounds like you're having fun with what you're doing. I am having a blast. <laughs> Are there things about this that like you didn't expect to have fun with? Um, you know, I, I honestly didn't expect the level of interaction with readers. Um, mm. It's, it is, I still am blown away when somebody, you know, sends me a message and says, oh, I just finished reading your first series and it's amazing and blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, what? Are you okay? <laughs> are, are, you, uh, um, are you sure you're talking to me? You know, I still have that feeling of, wow, this is real, you know? And yeah. um, so it's, that is super fun to be able. And I love interacting, you know, with the fans we play games in my Facebook group and oh, nice. we do all sorts of things. And I have, uh, uh, during, during the heavy lockdown of the pandemic, um, you know, I had one weekend we had bingo and, you know, I based it on the characters in my, in my books. And I had found a site online that I could do uh, digital bingo boards and everybody signed on was able to download their own board and <laughs> we played bingo and gave away, uh, Amazon gift cards. And so, you know, it was, it was great watching everybody interact and get excited to like, Oh, I only need one more, you know, to win. And, and so those, 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 those moments are, uh, extremely fun to me. Um, yeah. I love that. And then I've also, you know, I've got a, a group of friends that are authors that I really enjoy interacting with them. It's, it's a whole new, um, you know, peer group friends, you know, that I get to hang out and talk to about books and stuff. And so um, mm-hmm. those two things I think are probably been the things that have been most fun for me. That's really cool. Um, yeah. Bingo. I, I feel like I've got to up my game now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were looking at things and I, I found a site that does puzzles. And so you can put artwork into it and it makes it into a puzzle and it's timed. And so I could, I took my book covers and put them in there and made puzzles. And so they were 
able to see how fast they could put the puzzle together and I gave away prizes for whoever put it together fastest mm. and um, I, I think the pandemic really made me think harder about how to interact and create new things for my readers that were not hey go buy a book from me you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that was it was really cool so you know, you never know what's going to come out of something that's that's bad, you know, and potentially made it into a good situation between my readers and um, myself. Yeah, that community thing sounds pretty key for keeping going. It really is. I think that, I mean, I know that I've had a little interaction with um, traditionally published authors. Um, but for independent authors, creating that community and having that base is so important. It, I really think it sets us apart in, in what we do and how we do it. Mm -hmm. And so one question I had, so in that two-year lead up to quitting your job and going full-time, what were the, like, what stands out as the hardest lessons or the things that took a while to click? Um, I think, um, one of the biggest lessons I've learned was, um, <clears throat> a series had cover art that I designed and I wanted it to be, um, different and stand out. And I learned very quickly that even though it was different, if it didn't kind of match what people expected of my genre, that, um, it didn't, it didn't sell as well. And so mm. I rebranded, rebanded my whole series, which was a set of 15 covers. And um, that's an expensive lesson. Yeah. It was a very expensive lesson. And, but now, now I realize that even if it's on brand, sometimes you have to freshen up what you're doing and it's worth taking that extra money and plugging into a series that might be, you know, not selling as well and, freshen the covers up there may be nothing wrong with the covers that you have but maybe you just need a new perspective something else that might grab somebody else's eye um and i still have a lot of my core fan group that love the first covers and you know and then i have new fans that come in that love the current covers and mm -hmm. you know who knows two years from now there may be a whole nother set of covers um but that's one of the things i really learned during those two years is that um <clears throat> while being different and, and especially what I write is a little bit different. It's urban fantasy, but it's based, you know, small town um, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so it's a, I call it, I call it rural fantasy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote down Southern urban, urban fantasy, but like rural. Yes. Yes. It's got a little small town feel to it. Now, not all of my series is like that, but my main, main series is like that. The fairy tales of trailer park queen. Yeah. Um, I was so gonna... it has that, that, that little small town feel to it and so what I write is different but um, I still have to appeal to the same audience that is used to reading stories that you know happen in a big city right. it's the same readers it's the same genre it's the same stories you know uh, it's this you know same tropes um, it's just it's just a little different setting but I still have to make sure that I'm targeting the same people with my advertising and my covers so why do you think it works to do something a little different like that. I mean, you still, especially as you mentioned, it's the same audience and you know, that crossing over, like then what is it that makes it stand out? And, you know, also in the back of my mind is what makes it fun, right? But, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Um, I just, as an example, you know, everybody has seen um, the covers of some popular books, say Harry Potter or, um, Sarah J. Mass's um, different fantasy series. Everybody mm -hmm. knows those covers. They see them. They're very iconic. But one of the things I noticed lately, and I see it, I see it on Instagram. There's a company that's doing alternative covers for those. They mm. actually have jackets, jackets that you can buy, put on them, and my eyes automatically get drawn to those because here is the same story that I know, but it's being expressed in a different way, and love looking at the art on those and and it's nice to see that there's a different perspective it's still the same story it's still the you know the same area but it's something unique about having um that that different look at it 
And I think it's the same way with, with books that, you know, I have. Uh, my first books, my first book covers for um, Trailer Park Queen were uh, a little bit on the romance side, even though it was very urban fantasy. And I have a lot of people in my group who are, are paranormal romance readers. Mm-hmm. My books have just barely a touch of, of romance. And I mean, they have some romance, but everything in it is is basically urban fantasy. It's a retelling of, of mythology. But it... To, it, and then when I switched the covers, I made sure I went a little closer to um, that urban fantasy feel, but still have a little bit of, of a feminine touch to it mm-hmm. um, because my main character is female. But um, and, a, and the base of my readership is female. I have a lot of male readers, but the majority of my readers are female. And so, um, you know, it's. I, I don't know. It it um it makes it fun because for me I'm I'm kind of uh uh I don't even know how to say this nicely. I love covers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I buy covers for stories I haven't written yet. Mm-hmm. I buy covers because they inspire stories that I want to write, mm-hmm. and so uh, that artwork and everything really enthralls me. And so that's fun for me, um, being able to um look look at a look at a piece of art. Um, I've commissioned art um, to go for some of my uh, characters and stuff because it's just, um, I don't know, it's, it gives me a, uh, another outlet because I do have a little bit of that art base um, that, and that makes it fun for me. And I think it, it makes it new for my readers and then something different to catch the eye. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, you reach a point when you're advertising and people go, Oh yeah, I've seen that book cover before, you know, and then they kind of skim past it. But then mm-hmm. when you put something new out there, they're like, Oh, is that the same book that I saw before that I didn't read that I passed over? Maybe I need to look at it again. So it's just something that, you know, just a way to trigger something in, in a reader's mind that, Hey, this is like something I've read before, but it's not exactly. And it's fun for me trying to find what works. It's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, Maybe not covers because that's expensive trial and error. But um, <laughs> good reason to go, it's a good reason to go into designing your own. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, uh, especially with um, you know, artwork for uh, advertising, marketing, Facebook ads, um, it's fun for me to try to find different ones that draw attention and draw the eye. And you know, pretty quickly, there's some that I've gotten that I've done, and because I have a female. Uh, character and she's southern and kind of sassy and um you know some of my artwork for ads depict that but then I hit a whole different (laughs) level of um, people that are attracted to the girl and not so much the story and so (laughs) you know I have to it's fun for me though I, I like trying to dabble and figure out what works and you know changing copy around uh trying to be really funny and then trying to be you know very serious tell a serious story and then you know that for me that's fun Mm. now it's a facebook ads is an easy way to spend money while you're having fun and that may not be fun (laughs) for everybody Um. (laughs) well when i started doing facebook ads i was spending five dollars a day yeah and even when i start a new ad I only spend $5 a day on that ad. Or if I start three ads, I'll do three ads at $5 a day. And then I don't ever commit anything extra to that until I see that it gets the right response from the right group. Yeah. And, and how, do you, so, how do you tell that? Because that's like really, like, I know it's easy to spend money. Like you'll mm-hmm. get clicks even if it's the wrong audience, right? Right. And it's, and, it's hard, harder to determine, you know, with... Um, Kindle Unlimited reads, but honestly, my sales stay at such a steady level. Um, it's it's pretty easy for me to tell when something works or not. It mm-hmm. takes it about six to seven days to really filter through. And I don't even look at the clicks. I look at the end money. You know, has has my income gone up after I've launched this? Mm-hmm. Um, and and for me, you know, and I just, and I just try to weigh, weigh how much is it making enough extra for me to up it and, and test it. 
and it's just a constant look at it every day and see what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Of course, this first, this when I first launch one, I really leave it alone and let it sit for six or seven days. I don't look at the clicks. I don't look at any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I Is that the only thing a, you're doing marketing wise at that time? <clears throat> uh, no, I have, I have uh, Amazon ads that run, but, it's just for the first book of the trailer park series. Mm-hmm. I don't run ads for any, on Amazon for anything else. Um, <clears throat> it, Amazon ads are something that I'm still learning to uh, a tool to use effectively. Yeah. And um, the Facebook ads, because it changes so much, it's um, sometimes there's a lot of a larger learning curve there um, because yeah. Facebook tends to change their algorithms more often. Um, but um, I, it's enough for me to be able to tell that there's a difference. Yeah. I, and I, I, get, also, I, get in, I get into trouble sometimes in that spot where I, if I'm experimenting with two things at the same time, yeah. you know, I can falsely say, you know, oh, it's this ad is working. Yeah. Right. You know, I try to do new things one at a time. It's, I ran some book club ads a couple of, well, last month. Yeah. I tried to run some book club ads just to see if it made a huge difference. Mm. And, and, and I really didn't see a very large uptake. So at the end of the month when it ended, I just let it end. And I'll try it again at some point, you know, um, just to test it out because I know there's some people that have a success there. And I'll read more into it and find somebody else that, you know, is doing it. There's plenty of people up there that like to share their experiences with that. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I have a pretty stable group of author friends and I, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of share information sometimes and, of what we're doing and if we've tried something new or hey here there's here's a new platform but facebook really has worked for me um too because it's 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 interactive as an mm. ad because mm-hmm. you know people comment and i love to go back and respond to comments or at least like or love what they wrote um i have people that ask questions about you know hey when will the next audiobook be out and i could put on there you know and while the series was running, the 15-book series is complete. While the series was running, every time a new book came out, I'd go to that ad and I'd put the link for the new book in the, in the comments of the ad. Mm. Because that was a way to let everyone know that's looked at that ad or commented on that ad or liked, liked on that ad. Say, hey, the authors put something new there. They get a notification. Nice. And they can look at it and say, oh, look, there's a new book in the series. That's a good tip. And you kind of get a two for one then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you don't have to start a whole new ad. You're already using the ad that, you know, you're already getting the likes and the, the traffic on. And it has the past traffic built into it. And so, and you know, some of those people at some point picked it up and you can tell from the comments, hey, I enjoyed reading this series or, you know, that kind of thing. And then when you put that on there. Um, they're like, oh, look, here's here. There's a new one in the series. So yeah, I I do that a lot with um, with ads. Is you know when the next book comes out, I put a link in the ad so that people see. It also helps too because there's a real mentality. Thank you Netflix that um, they want to be and read things. Mm-hmm. And so if if people look at it and say, oh, this is a first book, blah blah blah, and they don't really delve deep into the Amazon ad page. I mean the Amazon sales page. They can see in the comments there. Oh, look, this part, they, oh, they, fifteen books in this series, and it's finished, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's actually that's a draw. Um, so, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I try to use utilize that comment section as as advertising too. Cool. So it sounds like there's a lot of different pieces at play in your business. And, oh, hi, Doug. <laughs> um, ah. Yay. It's, it's not an author podcast without a dog barking at least once. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah. Hey, you. <laughs> hey. He knows I'm going to ask one of those big questions. Uh, oh, it's a big question. All right. Well, no, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, kind of what I want to know is like a glimpse behind the hood a little bit is, are you doing a little bit of everything every day or are you like kind of batching your work? Are you like, how does that work? <laughs> the balance between writing you know, and all the rest of the stuff. <laughs> it's, it's tough. And I thought, Hey, when I quit working my job, it'll be easier. It's really not. <laughs> it's, it's really not. Um, yeah. I, um, I had found a really good stable place until the pandemic started and then I mm. ended up having a homeschool. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, our whole pattern of life changed. Mm-hmm. And my husband was at home for almost a month um, from his job. And I thought, well, he'll be home. He can help. And it's just another distraction. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's just is what it is. And so I had to learn to work with a new normal. And <clears throat> I'm still trying to come up with a good structure. Mm. Um, my writing time is at night when everyone has gone to bed. That is, I can write during the day and I do some sprints and stuff during the day, but my writing time, my best writing time for my brain is at night when everyone else has gone to bed. It's because that's know. what I was, that's what I was doing when I was working because right. that's what I do. You know, that's, that's the time I had was when everyone else was in bed. And kind of back so to basics. It, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of the same way now, I, even though, you know, I have all this other time to do it. Now I just use all that other time for, for the marketing and, and, um, learning new things and, and actually, you know, reading new stories from new mm. authors and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's one thing it's, I think has really increased since, um, I, as I read more now, I have more time to read. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I have, I have the merchandising aspect where, you know, I have a online store and so I'm working, I have, my dining room is now my, <laughs> my merchandising area. And nice. so I, uh, and I, I do, um, seasonal crates of book crates where, um, they're a very limited edition. I only sell 50 per season that mm. have a, a signed book in it from me plus other tie-in type merchandise and I sell those. And so um, during crate time, my my entire living room and dining room gets taken over by crates, but, um, and it becomes a very big family project then uh, with, with my daughter and my husband uh, yeah. as we pack crates and get them out into sin. But it, um, it's, it's hard to find that structure and it's something that I'm still trying to work on um, as far as, you know, how much time I allot to different things. Mm. I've, it's definitely been a struggle for, for me. I have a four year old and, you know, mm-hmm. and everything's turned upside down, but I find that everything other than writing is easier for me to dip in and out of like, and mm-hmm. is more tolerant of being interrupted and taken out of yeah. the flow. Yeah. And I don't get, um, I get grumpy. Like if I get interrupted while I'm writing. So, (laughs) you know what I I mean? Yeah. I I know what you mean. Yeah, I do. Especially if I'm in the middle of a thought and if I have to stop in the middle of that thought and I come back and then my brain's just like, ah. (laughs) Yeah. So I've, I've found that I'm happier if I just don't try when there's a high risk (laughs) of interruption, (laughs) like, okay, it's okay to do other things. And, I'll do right. less writing time. And yeah. you know, so you started with this pattern of writing at night and you're kind of falling back into that as a way to get through this. Um, for people who are maybe aspiring writers and are at the beginning of the journey, um, like how much writing time is enough, right? Like, cause I know that can be an intimidating thing. Like, where do I find the time to do all this? And, if I'm going to take this seriously, I need to be a full-time writer or whatever it is. Like how much do you really need? I I don't think it's a matter of how much it's it's a matter of making it a habit. Mm. Um, Even if it's only 15 minutes a day, Mm. write something every day. Even if it's not connected to your current work, sit down and write something. Um, You need to keep your brain in that area, in that, in that focus, because, you know, I, when I started writing, like I said, it was addictive and I started doing it and I couldn't help but write. But then Mm. when the pandemic stuff hit, I, there was two, there was about a month there where I just didn't write anything. And it was Mm -hmm. really hard to get back into that habit. Mm -hmm. It was just a month. I'd been doing it, you know, for almost two and a half years straight. And then for one month, I thought, you know, it'll be all right. I could just get right back to it. And it's not, it's mm-hmm. not, um, you need to keep your brain in that space. And like I said, even if it's only 15 minutes, when I was working full time in the automotive in- industry, there was a lot of times I, I won't 
I worked swing shifts. So I worked two weeks days and two weeks nights. And um, I spent time at work during my lunch break. Our lunch breaks were 45 minutes. 30 minutes of that lunch break, I'd write. Um, I always took a notebook with me to work so that during my 15-minute break, I could write mm -hmm. down ideas and jot down things that I thought of. Um, and in the position I was in, I was a supervisor of a line, so I had a desk, and I left that notebook on my desk, and every mm -hmm. once in a while, you know, I walk by and I'd write down, hey, I thought of this, I need to put this in here, or something I want to look up, something I want to research. Um, this might work for this, but I needed, you know, and I didn't want to lose those ideas. And so um, I think all of that is part of writing. Um, mm -hmm. It's not just just writing prose. It's it's brainstorming those ideas. And sometimes if you sit down and just say, okay, these are the few things that I need to remember that I want to look up later. Spend that time focusing on your story on a daily basis. And... And I tell myself all the time, I'm going to take Sundays off. I'm not going to do any writing stuff on Sundays. And it, that fails every time. Uh -huh. I do, <laughs> I do something every day. I they really don't have, there's not a day off. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, that's okay. At first I was like, no, you need to have a day off. You need to have a day to yourself. But it's such a part of me now that no, I don't. That's what I do. Mm. And so even, you know, there are days we have family days and we go off and we do things together um, with just the family. But later that evening, I sit down and I take a look at what I've got going on, what I've got planned for the next couple of days. Even if it's just something simple as that, I've gotten myself back into that author space. Mm. So it sounds like you've got a lot of like tools now for and ways of thinking about writing beyond being in front of the, you know, keyboard or typewriter yeah, yeah. absolutely does that help with like you know that feeling like i don't know about you but if i'm not writing you know from time to time i'll feel that sense of like guilt like you know i did all this oh, stuff yeah. i got all this stuff done but i didn't write so, right yeah I, mean, I have all this stuff i need to write i mean now i've i'm involved with you know different people doing anthologies and mm -hmm. um you know so there are things that i have to write now it's not mm -hmm. just a matter of the things I want to write. There are things that I've agreed to that I have to write. And and I have a contract now with uh, Shane Silver's uh, Argento Publishing. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are a, a series of books that I have to write now. Um, you know, but it's still, it's still all about getting back into that, that space of um, being an author is more than just putting words on a page to tell a story. On a, I have a Pinterest board for every single book that I have and just about every single main character. Mm. And sometimes just going on to Pinterest and pinning things that apply, that give me a little bit of a visual, that give me a little insight to the story that I'm writing, and that I have that access to um, my, my fans can see what I'm putting on those boards. Mm -hmm. and they, So they kind of get an insight of where my brain is at. And so sometimes that helps me focus um, and it's not really writing, but it's very important to the, what I'm writing and what I'm doing. Mm. So, you know, there, yeah, there's a lot of different tools that you can use that put you into that space without actually sitting down and writing words. And I, you know, I have people ask me all the time about um, writer's block. Mm -hmm. And I think <clears throat> for me, writer's block isn't so much. Um, you can't write a story. Um, your, your, your brain's not in the right place. A lot of times for me, if, if I have something and I'm having a difficulty with a story, mm. nine times out of 10, whatever I've written in the story is not right. Mm. Mm. And I need to go back and make a change mm. because every story that I've written that just flows out, those are my best stories. But if I try to write something in the way I planned to write it and I'm a pantser, I don't, I don't do a whole lot of plotting. Mm -hmm. I do very light plotting. I have, I have a couple of events I know I want to happen. Then I write around those events. Mm -hmm. um, so, but even one of those events, I can say, okay, I'm building this. I've got to get to this point. I've got to get to this point. And for some reason it's not working. It's because that point isn't what I need to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so the stories, <laughs> I, I want to sound like these kook kooky people, but my characters kind of tell me, I don't want to do that. 
So and, kind of a subconscious thing, you think? It's kind of a yeah. It's kind of a subconscious thing of I don't want the story to go that way. I don't. Mm. I'm not. And so when you go to start writing, writing it the way you planned it, it's not coming out right because you know it's not what you want. Yeah. And I think a lot of of, of writer's block is that. Now there's ex- external distractions. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's you know a pandemic going on, and yeah. we've had a, a several deaths in our family um, mm. this year. And mm. you know, there's out, out external factors that can really affect what you're writing. To me, that's not writer block. That has nothing to do with you being a writer. That has to do with the world and life. Yeah, it sounds like but, an invitation to press pause when when that happens. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and that's okay. It's okay to press pause, um, but. And those are times when you need to press pause, but mm-hmm. that's not writer's block. That's, that's, that's something different. Writer's block is when your story doesn't come out right. Mm. It's not coming. It's not coming out. It's not coming from your fingers into the cube, you know? And mm-hmm. so for me, that's nine times out of the 10. That is because I am not telling the story as I should. Mm. So. so do you have a trick for like identifying that? <clears throat> Um, for me, it's just like, I think for me, I start thinking about it way too much. Like it dominates everything that I think about is like, this, this, this doesn't feel right. This isn't where I want to go with this. Uh, I have one of my books now that's published and I won't say which one it is, but, um, it's a series I was working on and I've kind of, I've kind of stepped away from it because I, I didn't write into that series what I I wrote what I planned to write mm. and, and now it's hard for me to continue with it because I'm really going to have to go back and rewrite it mm. because mm. it's, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like the story that I wanted to tell that I should have told. And I can't think, I, I try to think of things. Oh, I, when I write, I'm very conscious of how my readers are going to react to it, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to make sure that I fall within their expectations, but that, I'm always surprising them and giving them something new, but at some point too, I have to be true to what I, what I know the story needs to be as opposed to what I think everybody's going to like. And Mm. so, and there's things that I've written that have been very hard to write because I knew they might be, you know, Mm -hmm. sad or, you know, they evoke emotions Yeah, and that's a good thing, you know, but I have to, you know, those are the things that are, and those tend end up being my best stories. <laughs> yeah. But there's um, that moment of resistance there before, while you're doing it. Really it really is. Yeah, yeah, it really is. You get kind of, oh God, what am I doing? <laughs> am I really doing this? Yeah. So, so, but yeah. So you're saying if you have one of those moments, <laughs> say, yeah. you, that, yeah, if you have one that kind of sticks with you, you kind of start thinking about it and it stays current in your mind and it may be something that you wrote two weeks ago but if it's still there and it's present in your mind Mm. you might take a second look at it yeah so it sounds like a little process of slowing down a little bit Mm -hmm. being intentional yep and i've scrapped i've scrapped three and four and five chapters at a time before because of that and that's hard yeah that's hard you know you put that many words down Yep. And, you know, you're talking 10,000 words. I've done it. I've scrapped it mm. because I've, it just, it wasn't right. And I had to get it right. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's the crazy author in me. Ah, <laughs> I was just, I was just picturing the witcher. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you're kind of like the butcher of. <laughs> I'm the butcher, butcher of, of my own work. Yes. Try not to use the name Butcher of Blaviken. There's another name there, but <laughs> so yeah, I've 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 butchered my own work. Mm. I, so. I yeah, that sounds painful and and fun. Ultimately, if you're not measuring word count as as your only measure of success, yeah, and you know, I actually didn't. I've never really tracked word count. Mm. Um, I've only started doing that in the last month or so for what I've done this year. I've kind of gone back and I can't tell you how many words I've written up until last year, but I know how many words I've written this year. Mm. (laughs) And so it's, um, 
that's been an interesting change for me to kind of look at that. I don't want to ever define myself by how many words I've written, but mm -hmm. I do need to look at it from, a, especially from a business perspective. We were talking about planning. Yeah. You know, I need to know how many words I'm writing for business wise, because I know how long my books are. Yeah. Um, I know what I, what a goal is for each book, um, how long I'm going to tell the story. And so it's, it's good for me to start tracking it and adding that to um, my everyday thing to, uh, and that's the biggest thing is just remember when I finished writing um, to, to track that. But right. yeah, it's um, something, something new and something different. I'm always, I try, like I said, I'm always trying to add and better what my product is and what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, Kimbra, for people who want to know more about you, where can they find you? <clears throat> um, I'm actually doing a revamp on my website, but all of my information um, about my books are on KimberSwain.com. Um, but I'm most active in my Facebook reader group, which mm -hmm. is called Kimber Swain's Magic and Mason Jars. And hmm. um, you can find me there. I'm very active. I'm always, you know, talking to folks and interacting and we have a good time. There's a lot of Southern humor that gets posted there and a lot of fantasy humor and fairies and dragons and unicorns and whatever else you can think of fantasy wise. Um, it's a really good community and I enjoy that. And so, and that's where I do most of my updates and keep mm. current on, on future projects. Right. And it's a good place to go if you want to play bingo right? a bingo or whatever game we're paying playing that week or whatever puzzle i've decided to post or there's always something <laughs> <laughs> that's fun well kimbra it's been a pleasure having you on the show thank you for having me i've had a good time yeah you too i hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the fearless storyteller as a reminder any and all links can be found in the show notes and if you're enjoying this podcast Will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover the Fearless Storyteller podcast. <laughs>